Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, so we've been talking about the two towers, Jesus and Adam. Today we're just going to talk about Adam. Everything else with our relationship with God affects our relationship with Adam. So when we've got this right, this will be right. And I think at this day and age that we're in right now, we need to go back to this to make sure we get this because I think what has happened to us as a church is that we've looked at the world and we actually despise the world for the things that we're seeing in it. And I'm guilty of this. Like, I've done the same thing. So I'm not saying anything and putting anything on anybody in this room. But I think, you know, we look at these things that are happening and we're just like, you know, our, our sense of justice is offended. You know what I mean? And um, if we're just being honest. And so anyways, I want to go back and I want to show you how does God see Adam? So basically, how does God see the unbeliever? Because you're either, there's only two kinds of people. You're, you're a believer, you're an unbeliever. Okay, that's the tower of Jesus and the tower of Adam. Okay, so what's very interesting in Revelations 13, 8, listen to what it says. It says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, let's just go ahead and let scripture interpret scripture. When John the Baptist saw Jesus at the Jordan River, he said, behold, the lamb of God, which comes to take away the sins of the world. So we know it's talking about Jesus, okay? So think about this for a second, and, I, and I've really processed this. If God saw the whole timeline and every single person in it and every one of their sins saw it comprehensively, God wasn't like, oh, there's no need in sending Jesus. That didn't stop him from sending Jesus. And what does that tell us? God's grace is greater than our sin. Here, let me give you another just wild thought. You cannot, cannot means you have an inability. You cannot out God's grace. Because to say that, you would be saying that sin is greater than Jesus. Listen, not one sin passed his eye without him seeing it. Remember, he said, I'll remember your sins no more. Well, that means there had to have been a time of judgment where he remembered his sins because he's a just God. And when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin. And not one sin passed God's eye that wasn't judged. Not one sin. And think about, we're not even just talking about the earth and its population now, we're talking about all that went before it and all that will come after it, comprehensively. Wow. See, God didn't send something. And remember, in, in uh, the Gospel of John, right, it says that Jesus came in grace and in truth. Jesus is grace. And all truth is, is the veil's been removed, so now we can see Jesus for who he really was, who he is and who he always will be. For he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I've got a couple of scriptures up here. The first one is Psalms 136.1. And it says this. 
His mercy shall endure forever. Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. That word good is the, is the Hebrew word tov. means perfect. Remember James said there's no shadow or turning in Him? In other words, no evil can come from Him? His mercy endureth forever. Okay, so let's look at this. The word mercy is the Hebrew word chesed. And this is the word that's used for grace. It can mean loving kindness, mercy, and grace. But this is the word used for grace. Then he goes on and says endureth. It's the Hebrew word amad, which means something that is on a fixed foundation. It's established and it never goes away. And then forever olam. Do you know how the Jews use this? Olam? Universe. That's the same word they use for universe. So get this picture. His grace, his undeserved, unmerited favor is on a fixed foundation. It can never go away. And if you want to measure it, you got to be able to measure the universe first, which we know science tells us that the universe keeps expanding. So that means what's before that and the one who created it. Remember, think about this. The, the Gospel of John chapter 1 says this, that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, Jesus. In Colossians, it says all things were created by him, through him, and for him. Jesus is eternity. And the creator gave himself up for the creation. And we know the creator is greater than the creation. So therefore, grace is greater than sin. So Eric, but you know, there's people abuse sin, right? We say that. We don't have a right to say that because we didn't pay for that grace to be given. So we have no right to say when enough is enough. And as far as we're going to read right now, it's never enough. Do you know what Jesus did? The Pharisees and all the religious leaders rejected him. He said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. I wish you would come to me just as a uh, mother hen takes her chicks under her wing. But you would not have me. And then he goes into talking about the destruction that's going to come. But do you know he also gave them instruction when you see this happening in 70 AD, run to the mountains and you'll be saved. He didn't leave them there in their rejection. He gave them a way out. Wow. He gave them wisdom that they didn't even ask for so that they would know to flee when they saw these things happening. Wow. Romans 5.20, where sin abounds... Grace superabounds. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Now, these words aren't the same. The, the, where sin abounds is pleonaza, uh, which means just to simply increase. But when it says su grace superabounds, it's hupoparisio. That means it has no limits. Wow. See? I think we can judge other people in the church, and I think we judge people outside the church unknowingly, unbewitched even of ourselves. We don't even realize what we're doing, but we do it. And guess what? We have no right to do that. Because guess what? The same price that was paid for our sins was the same price that was paid for their sins. And guess what? He is long-suffering that all shall be saved. So... What is God's first encounter with the fallen Adamic nature? 
Adam in the garden. Right? Now, we all know this, but let's take a look at something. So, in Genesis 3.8, it says, they ran and hid themselves and covered themselves with fig leaves. And they heard him, the Lord God, walking in the garden. Now, what's interesting, that word to walk is halak. Do you know what that word also means? To run. See, running is a sense of urgency. See, He's always has a sense of urgency for salvation, but judgment he withholds and holds back because that's not his heart, isn't to judge. So what's interesting now, there's so, and we know that was God the Father. How do we know that? Because it says that he covered them with animal skins. Well, the animal was a picture of Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, rabbinical tradition tells us that it was a lamb that God brought and shed the blood and covered them with animal skins. Why? So they would see themselves covered by the blood of the lamb, one another. So what's interesting, in Luke 15, 20, we see the father running again. And it says, when he was yet a far way off, the father saw him. That means he was looking for him. He was moved with compassion. And he ran and he fell on him, and he kissed him. That word kiss, kaleo, it literally means to kiss over and over and over and over. But he ran. So wouldn't it be suffice to say, couldn't we possibly, I'm not saying I got this all together, but couldn't we possibly interpret that God ran in the garden just like he ran for his son? Yes. Couldn't we do that, looking at the scripture? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. See, to the sinner, he runs. Why? Because there's a sense of urgency that he doesn't want them to live in that condition. Listen, this isn't just about the sweet by and by and we go to heaven. This is about having a quality life while we're here on earth. And I think that's an area where the church has missed it. They're thinking so far ahead about heaven, they're not even enjoying their life here on earth. And then, of course, we, you know, not saying this church, but church in general, puts a whole bunch of, you know, requirements on people of how they got to live here while they're on earth. And that's not how it's supposed Listen, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, stop doing it. God wants you to enjoy life. I'm not saying that we're not going to have difficult times. I'm not saying that. But overall, if your whole life is you don't enjoy it, we need to go back and we need to look at this so we can get this right. Our relationship between us and God will always affect this life, how we live it here on earth. So there's another story I want to talk about, Jonah. I've heard this story a thousand times from the pulpit. And they always try to connect people that are in the audience with Jonah and the fact that he ran from his calling. It's just true. If you've you've been in church long enough, you've heard that. That's not what the story's about. That might be another interpretation way down here, but that's not what the story of Jonah is about. You know what Jonah means? Jonah means a dove. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. When we start looking at what Jonah was going through compared to what we're going through, we've had a cakewalk and he did not. Let me give you some studying facts. So by the way, did you know Nineveh 
right? That's that, the Ninevites, right? That's where, that's where he, he sent Jonah to save these people. That was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians were their enemies, as was everybody else. But these people, listen to what they did, okay? For two decades of invasions and defeats and deportations, they were deported out of their land. Hundreds of thousands in captivity, minus those who were killed, killing every person, everything, including animals, when entering a city, taking thousands and burning them alive. When they were captives and they were not killed, they were taken away by hooks in their noses and put into slavery. They were also taken and used in war as human shields. Can you see why Jonah ran? I would have ran. But see, this story isn't about us. This story is about Jesus because a greater Jonah came and instead of fleeing to Tarshish, he ran right to where the people were at. It's about a greater Jonah. Come on, we would all run. They did that to our family? You want me to, you want me to bring salvation to them and be used for that? So here's something, just a little, just a little point, get this. Man's ability to forgive will always fail, but God's ability to forgive never fails. That's the lesson from Jonah. And look at all he had to put Jonah through just to get him in place, and he was still mad. Even after it was all said and done, he was mad those people got spared. Not just them and their livestock. They had killed their livestock, but now their livestock, even their livestock got spared. It says, if you read at the end of Jonah, it was like all the people spared, and there was 600,000 to a million. That's the numbers in between somewhere there. And not including their, the number of their livestock. So think about this. The story of Jonah isn't about me or you running from our calling. The story of Jonah is about, one more time, that our ability to forgive will always fail, but his ability to forgive will never fail. All right, so I'm keeping this short today because I want to spend a little time right here on 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world. I love this translation. God was shepherding the world. Not, it's not just talking about us. We're already in. It's talking about shepherding the world. Even in Psalms 23, it was for the believer, but man, in the, in the Old Testament. But guess what? Now in the New Testament, he's shepherding the world. And how does he use us? Us. Shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. Do you know God's not holding anybody's sin? It's all been set to Jesus' account. It's been paid. All they have to do is show up to the bank and sign the receipt saying they received it. And it's theirs forever. Remember, out of time, our sins were forgiven. He was slain before the foundation of the world. Well, guess what? If it was done out of time and that's eternity, the salvation that he secured for us was eternity. Listen to this. And he has entrusted us. Wow. It's not sitting at a desk studying your whole life. That makes a difference. Nothing wrong with studying. I study. But that's not, that's not what makes the difference. Here, let me tell you this. The greatest thing that God can ever entrust us with is other people. Not money. Money's there, but it's not, it's not, on the, it's not number one. 
is to entrust us with other people. You know what? Jesus said something. He goes, this is how they'll know uh, that you're my disciples, the love that you have for one another. First, it starts in the church, and they see from the outside how we love one another. Problem is, we got to get that fixed. Because I think in the church, we're not, I, I, I've seen a whole bunch of people posting against other Christians and doing all these other things to other Christians. Do you know what Paul said about that? They were taking each other to secular courts, Church of Corinth. They were taking each other to secular courts. And do you know what Paul said? Do you not know that one day you will judge angels? He's talking about fallen angels. Yeah. One day you will judge angels. And you can't even make these matters between yourself discreetly within your own circle instead of bringing out to the world so what you don't agree with somebody oh well no big deal we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody what we believe i used to think that was my job to go prove to everybody grace was you know it and you know what you just got rejected 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 listen when there is love that's something that nobody can argue with including the world because when they feel loved guess what happens it grips their heart and it draws them in close. Then you can teach them all the doctrine to back up what they experienced. So he has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. And then I love this translation where it says, you open the door for them so they can come in. And what's reconciliation? What's our message? In context, what's our message? God's not holding any of your sins against you. You can let the, the weight of the debt of sin fall off you because there's somebody that loves you and paid the price so that you could come in the door. And we feel like we, we have a special club where the door stays closed and we only open it to those that we think deserve it. We didn't deserve it and we got it. What makes us think others don't deserve it so they shouldn't get it? Some time ago when I didn't even have grace. But, you know, we still all had love to some extent. We might have not known it was as radical as there's no conditions to it, but we still did have love. What it, what it was is you had love to get him to receive Jesus. Then after that, here's all the rules and regulations you need to follow. Welcome to the club. It's like HOA. You know what I'm saying? It's like you move in and you have no idea what you're getting into. And then all of a sudden, boom, they send out this big old list of all the things that you got to follow. Listen, God's club is in an HOA. <laughs> There's not a person sitting there critiquing every little thing that's wrong with your lawn. You didn't edge it to the proper depth. You didn't get the grass cut short enough. You know, whatever those things are, then it will. If you don't change it, we're going we're gonna to basically, we're going to charge you. That's not how God's kingdom works. With the little bit of knowledge that I had and the experience of love that I had, I remember there was this guy, and I was, we went out in twos when we, when we used to minister. It was colder out, and he looked at me, and he says, man, that's a nice jacket. I didn't even hesitate, and I pulled it off, and I gave it to him. You could see the look in his eyes that he said, this isn't normal, because people won't just give you the coat off their back. And I didn't even really know what I was doing. I'm not even sitting here saying, oh, yeah, I was fulfilling scripture. and all. No, I just, my heart was moved. I saw somebody in need. I was going to go back to somewhere warm. He's on the streets. How God sees the Tower of Adam, which is the fallen Adam, people that are not believers, is that his grace is greater than all their sin. 
and that we do not have the right to say when there's enough grace being given because we didn't pay for it. He did, and he says there's never enough, and he will keep going and going and going and going and going and going and everything that he can possibly do for that person's heart to be gripped with grace and get saved. And we are blessed that we are entrusted to the ministry of reconciliation, that we are privileged to be used to open the door for other people to come in. So you're like, man, there's just some people out there that are really bad. I know. Do you know the Bible divides sinners and wicked? There's a difference between the two, right? Look, read through the book of Proverbs. There's a difference between the two. Wicked people are, that are doing these things that are so bad, we don't even want to discuss them in church. Do you know God wants them saved? God wants them saved. But also remember this, and I will close, is that though we might just have been sinners, because I could even self-righteously step back and say, I'm not as bad as those people were. And, and in, in a sense, my actions weren't. But the same price that it was for a sinner is the same price that it was for the wicked. The blood of Jesus. It was the same price for it all. So guess what? That opens the door for everybody to get saved. Amen. Father, we just thank you right now. Open our eyes and let us see how you see this lost, broken, and hurting world. And Lord, give us a desire to reach out to them whenever there's opportunity. We don't have to go chase down people every day but you will bring them in our path and that you would give us the words to speak or the gestures to do that will win them over for the kingdom of God. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.